A report from a private commission on the theft of American intellectual property proposes supporting American companies and technology that can identify and recover IP stolen through cyber means, defined as hackback. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the legal implications of the Commission's recommendations, I'm pleased to be joined by technology and intellectual property lawyer Ron Rather of the firm Peruki, Ireland, and Cox. Welcome, Ron. Thanks, Eric. It's nice to be here. The Commission, chaired by former U.S. Ambassador to China John Huntsman and Dennis Blair, the former U.S. Director of National Intelligence, suggests companies that experience cyber theft ought to be able to retrieve their electronic files or prevent the exploitation of their stolen information without damaging the intruder's own network. Two questions. First, is it legal? And if so, how practical would such action be? So it's an interesting set of issues and one that we've been dealing with even before and outside of this uh, commission report. It's often frustrating to deal with IP theft issues, especially in the context of dealing with the lack of enforcement in countries like China, either with respect to intellectual property rights generally uh, or as to the enforcement of foreign judgments. In other words, I get a judgment here in the U.S. So it's, it's a natural reaction to want to do something aggressive. However, hackback active defense comes with a lot of downside. And I think the key point uh, in your question that needs to be emphasized is this assumption that you can do so without damaging the intruder's own network, uh, which I think is likely a false assumption, but even exposes the difficulties, I think, in what the commission is suggesting. Um, so first of all, in the, in the U.S. and in Canada, in the EU, there are laws that prohibit unauthorized access to other companies, other individuals' computer systems. In the U.S., that's the Computer Crime and Abuse Act, and that statute is defined based on the unauthorized access, the unauthorized entry into someone else's computer system, regardless of what the intent is behind that access. It's the unauthorized access itself that is a violation. And so obviously what the commission is suggesting would be, at least under the current terminology of that statute, a violation. What's interesting for me is this notion that you can hack back or be involved in active defense without damaging the intruder's network. So I guess that depends on the degree or the extreme of the uh, hackback technique that's been in use. But with respect to the commission, they're talking about going in and destroying or retrieving intellectual property that presumably belongs to the entity or the person who's engaged in the hacking. I think innumerable problems with this from a variety of levels. So for example, how do I discern my intellectual property from data that's residing in bad guy's system and destroying it as opposed to disabling the entirety of that system, i.e. causing damage to the intruder's network. What about the situation in which the bad guys are using a third party, for example, my grandma's computer system as part of their scheme? whether it's temporarily resident in my grandma's system uh, that they've used as part of their zombie network. Now I'm talking about harming innocent bystanders, collateral damage uh, in this escalating war, technology wars. There are legal restraints, and then I think there are practical technical restraints that, again, while it's, I think, cathartic to be able to say, I want to hack back, I want to attack somebody else who's attacking me, there's obviously a lot of downsides uh, both from a practical standpoint as well as, I think, a larger policy standpoint of this suggestion that's being made by the Commission. What doesn't make sense to me is that intellectual property in these instances consists of bits and bytes. There's nothing tangible there. 
a cyber thief could make copies of intellectual property and store them elsewhere. And what is the practicality of just going in and either disabling or, or uh, even trying to retrieve that information? Yeah, I think the traditional mechanisms are probably still the best. But that obviously assumes that you're dealing with a defendant, an opposing party who abides by the rule of law. Um, so in other words, the best reaction to the issues that you're raising is to go to a court, um, get a determination of infringement, and get an order from that court to shut down the infringer, to require the infringer to remove, delete, destroy uh, all of the infringing materials. And then so then you're then you're addressing um, the copying issue, because obviously a company that wants to abide by the law isn't going to take the risks uh, of angering a judge and possibly, for example, ending up in jail for contempt. So the problem really focuses on bad actors, people who don't want to follow the law. So whether that's somebody who's hiding behind a nation state, who's refusing to acknowledge the importance of an intellectual property uh, or the importance of abiding by uh, judgments from courts from other countries, or it's just the hacker, the criminal out there who doesn't appreciate the rule of law regardless. And I think that's where your your scenario begins to create interesting and unique um, issues, particularly in the context of what we were talking about earlier, the Computer Crime and Abuse Act. If we create an exception to that act that says, I'm allowed to go in and gain unauthorized access to somebody else's system so long as it's only to retrieve my intellectual property. So the issue then becomes, well, how do you define what's your intellectual property? And more importantly, how do you determine that what you're accessing, what you're deleting is is your intellectual property? In other words, it provides an opportunity for bad guys to exploit a loophole. Well, you caught me, you know, gaining unauthorized access to Microsoft systems. That's because I thought they had stolen my IP and I was just digging around in there trying to figure out whether they had my IP or not but created a loophole for the bad guy. That's what I think is the issue or concern with changing the laws or trying to create some solution within the law to addressing these issues because you end up creating a loophole that really only helps the criminals. Uh, from a practical perspective, I think some of the other commission's suggestions in terms of watermarking, uh, you know, creating a poison pill that carries along with the intellectual property, some of those technical fixes to me seem to be more practical uh, and more viable than trying to change the law. You mentioned two things, watermarking and poison pills. Why don't you explain what they are and how that would work and why you feel that would be better? You know, it's not a complete solution because there's always a way to, to hack around anything. But, a wa- you know, a watermark is basically an electronic dig- digital signature that is appended to whatever the intellectual property is. So in other words, if somebody were to steal the source code for my software and if it's watermarked, anywhere that that source code goes, if it's copied, it's always carrying with it a digital signature that says it belongs to me. So the issue is, can somebody hack around that? Can they remove that digital signature without destroying the source code or being able to reverse engineer the source code? possible it makes it harder for the bad guys to do it. It requires them to be more sophisticated in order to do that. The poison pill approach is similar to a watermark, except that it allows a couple of things. One is that you could remotely blow up, um, in other words, defrag, fragment the data, insert some sort of destructive mechanism so that the source code uh, could not be read, could not be used once it leaves a certain place. It allows you to do that remotely. It also could be triggered based on certain events. So, for example, if somebody tries to remove the watermark, it could trigger the poison pill, which causes the underlying code to be fragmented or somehow 
otherwise made unusable. So what you've done is you've escalated the effort that a criminal is required in order to steal the IP. So it doesn't prevent it from being stolen. It doesn't prevent it from being misused. It just requires more effort on behalf of the criminal to be able to exploit their unlawful behavior. Well, thanks, Ron. No problem. I've been speaking with technology and intellectual property lawyer Ron Rather for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.